So I'm just going to read for us uh, the first six verses of 1 Thessalonians 1. This is the, uh, the New International Version, the NIV. So let me read this for us, and then we'll, we'll chat for a bit. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 6. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. What a... What an encouraging and inspiring uh, opening there is to that letter. I want to read that first sentence for you again. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. To the church. Now, now he's not writing to a church building. He's not writing to a, a particular denomination. He's writing to the church. The church. Who, who or what is the church? The, the, the Greek word that we see in the New Testament is ekklesia. Kaleo means to call, ek means out of. Those who are called out, the ones who are called out of. The ones who are called out of what? The ones who are called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. The, those who were once not a people, but now those who have been made a people. Those to whom Peter refers as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. That's the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And and he continues as he writes, the church of the Thessalonians who are, and notice this, in in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the, the distinguishing feature of them is that they have been by grace united to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as we read further in verse 5, it tells us those who've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, powerfully and very definitively working in the lives of these individuals who have now become the church. What an amazing thing that is. What what, what an amazing thing the church of Jesus Christ truly is. In every place and in every generation, none of these folks would would have used this language. None of them would have said, we are going to church. They wouldn't have used that language. We, we use that language, don't we? But they would not, would not have used that language. They discovered and understood clearly that they were the church. 
They understood that. They understood they had been placed in Christ and therefore placed into one another. They understood that very clearly. And and as a result of that, although some coming from a Jewish background with all of the privileges attached to that, others coming from from a Gentile background with all the, the chaos and challenges that would have been involved in their lives, the thing that brought them together was God through Jesus Christ and the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. The reality that brought them together was the power and grace of God. And is that not true of us here this morning? Did we orchestrate this thing ourselves to to be together in this place? No. (laughs) We, we, We have all, hopefully all of us, most of us I'm sure, have experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ We've responded to that. We've responded to to the promptings and the working of the Holy Spirit to become a part of this family, this church. And we are part of the greater whole of the church of Jesus Christ around the world. I see many heads nodding in agreement. Yeah, we are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And what an exciting and amazing thing that is. Wherever you have the power and grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you have genuine church. That happens in many, many places, right? Where, where you've just got church buildings and, and people going through religious exercises, you don't necessarily have that. That can be absent in some places. It's only the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we understand, who has forgiven our sins and placed us in one another placed us in Christ that establishes us in the company of one another, the church. We are a part of the church of Jesus Christ, and that is a gift, an absolute gift, and we are connected together because of that. We are connected. Now, at the risk of of stating the obvious here, I think it's safe to say (laughs) that people in in our society um, have become less and less connected, right? People in society, um, the level of connectedness between people in society has declined and dropped, and I would say significantly so. Obviously more so in recent days, but even before COVID, the level of connectedness between people in society has been declining at a rapid rate for quite some time. The COVID-19 pandemic has brought what I would say Uh, has brought unprecedented levels of isolation and social disconnect, um, honestly, uh, from which we may never fully recover. I I think we all understand that. So yes, and even before the pandemic, but certainly more so now because of it, the level of connectedness between people in society has dropped. But I would argue that their need for connectedness has not. God has made us social beings. People still long for fellowship and connectedness. Some folks might not even realize what they long for. That's what they long for. People long for fellowship and connectedness. People want to be a part of something. One of my favorite authors is John Orberg. And years ago, John Orberg wrote a book called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. 
and, and it's a book about uh, it's a book about community, and, and he talks about how all of us are are weird, quirky individuals that come with a tag that says "as is" because none of us is perfect, right? And we all have our our idiosyncrasies. But he mentions our strong need for community, and and this is what he writes: the yearning to attach and connect. To love and be loved is the fiercest longing of the soul. Our need for community, both with people and with the God who made us, is to the human spirit what food, air, and water are to the human body. And that need will never go away, he writes. It marks us from the nursery to the convalescent home. I agree with John Orberg. You know, I, I, I'm an introvert. The first, the first two, three weeks of, of, of COVID, of the COVID pandemic was great. I loved being a monk for two to three weeks. But even after two, three weeks, I was desperate for social connection, right? So I, I can't imagine those of you extroverts what, what your past 14 months have been like. God bless you. I don't know how, you're, <laughs> how you've survived. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was okay for a little while, but oh my goodness, the, the loss of social connectedness has, has, been, uh, has been a painful thing for, for so many of us to deal with. We all have a longing for connectedness. We desire fellowship. This is how God made us. He made us social beings. We need each other. We need connectedness. People are still hungry for fellowship. And you know what, as as those who are not yet a part of the church family, as they see our fellowship, as they see our community, our love for one another, our care and concern for each other, our support of each other, that will be attractive to them. They will want to be a part of that. And we might have the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus Christ. How exciting would that be? Because it's through our connection with Christ that we are connected to one another, right? Our communion with him produces our union with each other. And when we are connected as a body, there is great encouragement. And, and that's the word of the day. That's, that's the, the focus of this message is encouragement. Within the family of God, there is great encouragement. We need encouragement to continue faithfully living out this Christian life. The Christian life is difficult. It's not easy. (laughs) It's hard. It's challenging. And we need the support and encouragement of each other to keep fighting the good fight, to keep the faith. This is exactly how Paul closes the letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 5. He writes, so encourage each other and build each other up. Encourage each other and build each other up. You know, two real quick ideas we can see from that verse. Well, first of all, the fact that Paul had to tell the Thessalonians to do it makes me think, well, maybe it doesn't come naturally. You know, for some of us, uh, uh, reaching out and encouraging others doesn't come naturally. Paul had to tell the Thessalonians to do it, so it doesn't come naturally. And number two, if Paul mentioned it, it must be important. It must be important. Okay? Why? Why is it important? Why is it worth the the investment of time and effort to encourage our brothers and sisters? I've got two reasons why. (laughs) Number one, encouragement is important because it helps us keep the faith. It helps us keep the faith. In case you hadn't noticed, the, the, the world is opposed to the message of the gospel. I think you probably have noticed that right? And again, it's difficult to continue standing firm for Christ in a world that rages against that so strongly. So we need encouragement to keep the faith. 
1 Corinthians 1.18 says, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So number one, encouragement is so important because it helps us keep the faith. Jesus also said in John 15, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, for I have chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you, John 15, 18. And that's when we need to come alongside one another, encourage each other, and say, keep the faith. Don't give in to doubt. Don't let the world turn you away from the truth. We need encouragement because the Christian life is a struggle. We need strength every day to follow Christ, to stand firm for Him, to not give in to temptation. Again, the battle against sin in our own hearts is, is, is difficult enough. Right? We, we need encouragement to keep the faith, to keep running the race, to finish the race and not give up. You know, back in, um, in the fall of 2016, Ty and I um, ran a half marathon in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I, I trained for, I don't know, three or four months or so um, for this half marathon. And all through my training, those, those three or four months, I think I started about July, this was mid-October, so three or four months of training, never once did I ever have any physical issues at all. My ankles, my knees, nothing. My lungs, everything felt great. I, I, was, <clears throat> I was in good shape, I was healthy. Um, everything felt great, no issues. Race day comes. And probably around somewhere between mile three and mile four, out of nowhere, I started developing this, this sharp shooting pain in my right hip. I'd never, again, never had any issues. I never had any pain in my hip my whole life. And, and all of a sudden, I've got this, sh this severe shooting pain in my right hip. I don't know where it came from, what's going on. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. <laughs> I, I had determined in my mind, I was not going to walk any step of this race. I was going to run the entire 13.1 miles. I was determined in my mind, I'm not walking. I'm not going to just finish by walking. I'm going I'm to run every step of this 13.1 miles. But this pain in my hip is, is becoming so severe that I don't think I can do it. I go by mile marker four, push through, get through mile marker five, push through. I'm heading towards mile marker six, and, and this pain is getting worse. And it's, it's just so... Um, painful and severe, I don't think I can finish the race. And I, I'm, in my mind, I'm almost ready to just quit and give up. I come around mile marker six, heading downhill towards mile seven, and off on the sidewalk, I hear, I hear my name, Gary. Hey, Gary, come on, Gary, you can do it. And I look over, again, this is Hershey, Pennsylvania. I look over on the sidewalk, and I see Scott and Cindy Augustine standing on the sidewalk cheering me on. And I'm thinking, you know, I didn't expect to see folks from our MCN family here in Connecticut to be in Hershey, Pennsylvania, cheering on Tiny and I in this race. I saw Scott and Cindy, and I gotta tell you, I, I guess they call that adrenaline, but I could literally physically feel in my body, my, my encouragement and inspiration level went through the roof. I was so encouraged by their presence and by their, by their encouragement. I finished every step of that race. It, it was painful, I still had pain in my hip, but their, their encouragement gave me a level of motivation and focus to finish the race that I, I know if I, if, if I had not seen Scott and Cindy Augustine cheering for me between mile six and seven, I never would have finished that race. I know I wouldn't have. 
Their encouragement made all the difference for me that day. You know, the necessity of encouragement is, is seen alone in just how many times it's repeated in the New Testament. If you look over and over in the New Testament, you see Paul or Barnabas or another of the apostles traveling to a church in order to encourage them. Two examples, Acts 14, 21. Paul and Barnabas preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And Paul writes in Romans 1, 11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And again, there's countless examples throughout the New Testament of encouraging the believers, encouraging the body to keep the faith, to keep fighting the good fight. Was Paul wasting his time on a non-essential activity? I mean, remember, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. So he couldn't afford to be wasting his time on something that, that wasn't productive or important, right? I mean, the, the, Paul's ministry had to be productive. The future of the church depended on it. Right? So Paul couldn't afford to waste his time doing things that were unimportant. Yet time and time again, we see him not necessarily teaching or writing chapters of the Bible, but simply encouraging people, specifically young believers in the church. Because Paul understood, Paul understood that it was absolutely essential to their spiritual health. Absolutely essential. The gift of encouragement. It's essential to our spiritual health too. We need the gift of encouragement. We need to receive it, and we need to offer it to one another. Secondly, this morning, encouragement is important because it is just so powerful. I I, I gave you the example of Scott and Cindy, how powerful that was. Mark Twain said this, and I quote, I can live for two months on a good compliment. I love that. So true, right? How how do we respond when when we receive a compliment? Don't we, we, we savor it? We play it over and over in our minds. Wow, he said I did a great job today. Wow, she, she said my hair looks great today, right? We, we play that over and over in our minds. We, we savor that. We, we treat a compliment like a hungry man treats a nice juicy steak, right? We, we savor that. We play it over and over in our minds. And why? Because encouragement has tremendous power. Tremendous power. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You and I have this power, right? We have the power of speech. Your speech has the power to revive and encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ, to renew their strength, to refresh their spirits, to lift others out of darkness and depression. That's what encouragement can do. And you, and you know this to be true. I don't have to tell you, 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 you know this from experience. As you encourage others, you yourself become encouraged, right? As we express appreciation, we become more thankful. As we encourage someone to trust in God, our own faith is strengthened. As we comfort those who suffer, our spirits find comfort and peace as well. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So you, you know that's true. You've experienced that. We need to be about the business of encouraging one another. So how do we, how do, we do it? Obviously, 
encouragement can come in many forms, right? Encouraging words, an, an understanding ear, and a willingness to listen, a gift or a note, an act of service, a word of appreciation, a, a, an encouraging text message. I got a few of those this week. I'm, I'm confident that you are, you are creative and thoughtful enough to figure out the how-to part. I'll leave that to you. But the main point is, is to simply do it. Do it. Encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ throughout this week. Do something to encourage someone in the body. The main thing is to communicate that you love, that you care, that you're concerned about them. You know, we, pa Pastor Dan preached through the, the school of prayer and the school of service, and, and, and I, want, I wanted to tie those together by talking about encourage, encouragement this morning. Uh, we encourage you to keep praying. We encourage you to keep serving. <laughs> we encourage you to keep encouraging each other to keep going, right? To keep to keep the faith, to keep fighting the good fight. And remind each other of the truth. Remind each other of the truth of God, that He loves you, that He's in control, despite the fact that sometimes things appear to be out of control. God is ultimately in control. Remind each other that He loves you and that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Be intentional about encouraging one another. You know, I think one of the most encouraging things that we can do, that you can do for the body of Christ, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you're, you're, you're present, is to be here every week. Be here every week. Be present every week. For those, for those folks who have not yet come back, we encourage you, please come back. We, <laughs> you are missed. We, we love you. We promise that you will be welcomed. You will be encouraged. We will be encouraged by seeing you. Now, I understand some folks, I understand there's still some health concerns because of the virus. I understand that. And, and I don't, I'm not encouraging anyone to be, to be, to be reckless or care, careless. I'm so thankful that we have this technology to live stream our services for those folks who, who physically cannot safely return. But for the rest, of, uh, the rest of those folks, please come back. Your presence in service each week is hugely, hugely encouraging. There are so many folks that I look forward to seeing every week. I, I, I see certain faces, I, again, you know this to be true. There are certain people you see each week, you're just encouraged by seeing them. I mean, how many of us are encouraged each week by, by Uda? We see Uda, we're just so encouraged. I mean, Rhonda, Rick, all of you, we, we, we look forward to seeing each other every week because it is so encouraging, right? So again, for those folks who have not yet come back, please come back. Please come back. You are missed. You will be welcomed. We need to be together each week. It's not, it's not the same when we're not together. At least in my mind, it's not. We need to all be together, seeing each other, encouraging one another. It makes a huge difference, a huge difference. Don't, don't misunderstand the subtleness of the enemy. What, what's his job? To steal, kill, and destroy, right? Don't misunderstand the isolation that many have experienced because of our limited ability to be all together for the past 14 months is something the enemy has absolutely been taking advantage of. Again, it has been subtle. But the enemy is absolutely trying to remove folks from the fellowship permanently. The enemy is at work doing that, and we can't let that happen. So reach out to your friends who, 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 who haven't been able to make it back yet. Let them know you're thinking about them. You care about them. You miss them. Encourage them. And take to heart these words from Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day. You know, I've never been to, um, to Northern California to see the amazing redwood trees. I understand they're absolutely amazing. I, that's on my to-do list. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do that. Haven't done it yet. But I understand the, the amazing redwood trees in Northern California are some of the tallest things on earth and some of the oldest living things on earth. Over 300 feet tall, over 2,500 years old, some of these trees. And you would think trees that size would have this enormous, elaborate root system that would reach down hundreds of feet into the earth. That's actually not true. Redwood trees have one of the most shallow root systems of any tree there is. But the root systems of redwood trees are intertwined and interconnected. They are interlocked. So when those strong Pacific winds blow and the storms come and howl through Northern California, those redwood trees stand firm because they support and sustain each other. They absolutely depend on each other to survive. Church, we need to be interlocked. <laughs> and interconnected, and we need each other. We need to be encouraging each other to stand firm for Christ, continue encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Amen? Would you receive the benediction this morning from 2 Corinthians 13? Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind and live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God bless you as you go. You are dismissed.